Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You had said something about you have a camera there so you saw everything that happened. May I see that? I do have a camera, but I can't bring that down here so that it can be seen. I don't know what you mean. The lens doesn't have to show me anything. It's how do you see what you say you saw? This is the plaintiff, Daryl Dorsey. He says the defendant's tow truck driver damaged his retaining wall when he towed his car from his driveway. The stubborn defendant refuses to pay him the $1,674 it's going to cost him to fix the wall. And he's suing for it here today. This is the defendant, Nancy Maine. She says the plaintiff is trying to get her to pay for damages her driver simply didn't cause. Pictures tell a thousand words. And once the judge sees her evidence, she'll be leaving court today the victor. She's accused of hitting and running. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Million in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Million is now presiding. Mm. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right, Mr. Dorsey, you are suing Ms. Main for $1,674 to repair your driveway, your retaining wall, because according to you, her tow truck driver destroyed it. The defendant's company came to your home to tow a car. Was that your car? Yes, it was. And why was your car needing to be towed? It was in a prior accident. Okay. All right. So what happens? Were you there on the day of the tow? No, I was not. But um, my cameras on the outside picked up everything. And uh, in turn, when I re- I worked two jobs. So on my day off, I noticed that the retainer wall had been broken and was was popped was I, I want to say plopped up so that therefore it was tilted to one side. OK. And. The only person that could have been there would have been the tow truck company. What day was a tow truck company there? April 12th. What day did you notice the damage you're talking about? Uh, the 14th. Uh, in your complaint, you said the 15th. Uh, okay, the 15th. When did you call your insurance company and tell them what you're saying? The, the same day that I noticed it. What day did you call the defendant's company? Uh... I want to say it was the, I talked to to Nancy on the 28th, and the only reason it took so long is because I was waiting for my insurance company or the the previous insurance company who contracted her company to do the towing to contact me because they were supposed to contact. So her company was there on the 12th and you don't reach out until the 28th. 
You say that the only reason for that is because you were dealing with the company. Do you have any proof that you were dealing with the company, the insurance company? Do you have like emails to them or texts to them or uh, phone records that show that you were dealing with them? Do you have any proof at all that that was the reason for the delay? I have phone records. Can I see them? I don't have them in front of me. Okay, then I don't have them either. Do you have do you have emails or anything like that, or letters to your insurance company, anything that would prove that you were, quote, dealing with the insurance company from April 12th to April 28th? I do not. All right. Now, you said that you have video um, of what happened or that you had cameras. So do you have any photos or videos of what you say happened? I have photos. I also have the photo that the photos that were sent to your office also. I do. I have all of those photos. Those are all after the fact. You had said something about you have a camera there, so you saw everything that happened. May I see that? I do have a camera, but I can't bring that down here so that it can be seen. I don't know what you mean. The lens doesn't have to show me anything. It's how do you see what you say you saw? It's a tele- it's on a television screen. I would have to bring that downstairs and I'm I'm downstairs and it's upstairs on my computer room. You didn't think I'd want to see you. You say you have actual proof of what happened when it happened and you didn't think I'd want to see it. Well, the proof that I have is, is a copy of the pictures noticing that. All right. If that's good enough for you, broke. that's what we'll talk about then. Then you don't have because a minute ago you said I've got it all on tape and now it turns out you don't or I don't at least. And I'm the one I'm left without a tape in order to make a decision. Let's talk about. Your this is is this a retaining wall? Is this what you're talking uh, about? Yes, we are. So is it where that orange cone is? That's what you're showing me? That's sixteen hundred dollars? No, it's it's across from it. That but that whole wall all the way around would have to be replaced. What's across from it? Picture. Is it on the bottom of the picture? I see a brick out of place. Is yes. that what you're referring to? But then if I look on the left side of the picture, I see that bricks are just kind of laid down. I thought I was going to be seeing like a five, six foot wall. I'm seeing bricks laid down. Let's see some more pictures. How come there was a picture of a cone not broken and now there's a picture of a, of a cone broken? The picture of the cone broken and is the, when the truck ran over it and was laid flat. So how did you happen to have a picture of the exact same thing with the cone not broken? that I just had up here. I lifted it up. I don't get what you're saying. If it's broken, how do you lift it up? When he ran over it, it laid flat. And then you can see it's, co- it's connected still at the bottom. So I just lifted it up. So you just popped it back right back up. There's nothing wrong with the cone? The cone is ripped at the bottom of it. It wasn't ripped before. Let me hear from you, Ms. Uh, Main. Ma'am, we picked it up on April the 12th. And the first time I heard from him was May 28th. Not April 28th. No, ma'am. And what did he say on May 28th? Well, he called me and told me that we tore down his wall. We broke his wall. I sent my manager out to take pictures. He called me and said it was going to cost $1,000. And I said, I'm not sure that we did it but I was willing to give him $200 and pay for the cone and replace the cone. He called me back and he said, would you be willing to go half? Which he said was 490. And I said, no, the best I would do would be $200 to fix. Cause I'm not seeing the whole thing looks broke to me. I'm yeah. The seeing- whole, the entire little eight inch rim looks 
old and decrepit. How, how, I don't know how, you know, one block is out of place there, but on the bottom of this picture, but, you know, many are out of place on the other side. I'm, you know, I'm. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, so now you want $1,400 for that brick and you also want $274 for lost wages. The first thing you have to prove is that they are responsible. And the second thing you have to prove is that what I'm looking at is worth what you're asking. So we're kind of dead in the water on whether you can prove they're responsible. You're literally telling me you have a video of them doing it, but it's too much trouble for you to show it in court. And you're the one, you're the plaintiff. You're the guy who decides when you're going to go to court. So yeah, most people who have a video of the offense end up playing it at the trial. But okay, so what I see is a decrepit old couple of blocks put together that you're calling a retaining wall, and you're literally telling me that that's worth $1,400. I think you just saw a big pocket on your driveway and decided to try to get a new driveway out of it, and I'm not in this game. Verdict for the defendant. So the plaintiff fails to prove his case to, uh, to the judge, and he obviously loses the case. What do you think? I, I think I think honest and truthfully, uh, towing know knows that they did this damage to my wall, to my retainer wall, and not only do they know that they did it, she just refuses to pay for it. And I think it's more or less, it, it sounds it could be a prejudice thing, but I'll leave that out of it. But nonetheless, it's a, it's a woman thing. She's she just thinks that I'm trying to get some money out of this lady when in fact you broke the wall, and it shows you see the two cracks in the wall where it's broken, where, where the uh, cone has been ran over. There's not much you can do about it now. If you can't convince a judge, obviously you can't win your case. So I'm sorry, but that's the way it ends up. Ms. Maine, what do you think about what the plaintiff just had to say? I gather certainly prejudice wasn't anything to do in this, right? No, nothing at all. And I'm, I, I disagree with the judge. I didn't see, I didn't see the damage that was caused there. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> obviously you agree with the judge and uh, I you do. prevail. So congratulations. Doug, these are hard cases to prove because if the defendant denies hitting the wall and the plaintiff is just saying, look, you know, the wall is damaged. It could have been damaged from anything. And that's not enough to sustain the burden of proof. You got to tip the scales. Plaintiff didn't. What TV family most reminds you of your own? This is going to kind of shock you a bit, but I'm going to say The Sopranos, okay? Because you're you're kind of a lot. You have a, you and Tony Soprano have a lot, <laughs> all right? Because he was always trying to balance his family life with organized crime with a and, totally different right, world, a different world, and you constantly are trying to balance your family life with the television business, which is <laughs> yeah, a little bit of parallels there. You know, once you get in, it's hard to get out. It's like you know, you've been at it for a while. I uh, I think we're like. I mean, I, I, not maybe not our kids, but it's certainly our marriage is like a modern family. Ah, the, the Dunphys? The Dunphys, ah. where she <laughs> is the, you know, the one that, the glue that keeps everything together right. and has to, has to do Complete, everything. Yes. And he's the Total fun guy dynamo. who right. everybody likes a lot more right. because he's a fun guy. He's, um, yes. Yeah. He's a viva bien. He's a bon vivant. Yes. Bon vivant. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, I can see that. I have a certain kinship with that guy. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to be filled. Everybody wants to be. As oh, good sure. Everybody wants to have a, a, right. a, 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 a Mrs. Dunphy, and, oh, gosh, Claire Dunphy yes, taking yes. care of their stuff. Yeah. You don't let go when you get a hold of somebody like <laughs> Yeah, definitely. 
These are the plaintiffs, Kenneth and Heidi Gormley. Kenneth says they booked the defendant's wedding venue, but then he couldn't accommodate their party and now he won't return his money. That's right. The defendant, in essence, canceled on them, and they feel they deserve a full refund of the $2,000 they paid. That's why they're suing him. This is the defendant, David Cassioli. He says the plaintiffs got nervous about holding their wedding inside his venue due to COVID. So he told them he could move the party outdoors and still accommodate their wedding as planned. The plaintiffs either didn't like that idea or just plain changed their minds about getting married. But how's that his problem? He's accused of causing wedding woes. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs say that they booked the defendant's wedding venue, but they weren't able to pull it off, and now they want a refund. The defendant says the plaintiffs got cold feet about getting married, and they're trying to back out of their contract with him, and they deserve nothing. It's the case of wedding woes. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Gormley, you are suing Francis... Farms Holdings, and Mr. Cascioli, you are representing, you are one of the owners, correct? That's correct. Okay. You're suing them for your, the return of your $2,000 deposit for a wedding venue, which thanks to the generator of all cases for 2021, thanks to COVID, um, you weren't able to do as planned. You believe you should get your money back. You believe it's not your fault and you shouldn't have to give it back. So let's talk to you first, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gormley, who wants to speak first. I'll speak. So um, Heidi and I, uh, we went to look at uh, the defendant's uh, uh, wedding venue and um, we lo- we liked the grounds. It, it was it was it was very nice. I mean, there was a gazebo near a, near a lake where uh, we were going to have an outdoor wedding and uh, we, we were going to have like 50 guests and it was, we, they were going to put the chairs out, you know, near the gazebo. And it was, it, it was just a, a nice place. It, it just seemed like he was going to be able to, you know, it would, it would be a nice place to have a wedding. You know, we were going to get married September 12th of 2020. Um, we were there in August of 2019 before all this COVID and this pandemic stuff. So um, we didn't see When did you get your first inkling that there was going to be a problem? March 16th of 2020. But (laughs) when did you get your first inkling? Like as uh, how close were you to the wedding date when you totally panicked? He sent me an email, Okay. okay, that it said, and it was a very alarming email that he sent me because it said that, from the 50 guests, okay? We were having a small wedding, okay? Is this was, what you're uh, referring to? Yes. Okay, is this a the text maxi- or an email? It looks like a text. Well, well yeah, I'm okay. sorry, a text, yeah. Dear so Ken, maximum- with respect to our recent conversation of Sunday, June 28th, I am writing to bring you up to date. Phase three, which just went into effect two days ago, Monday, July 6th, maximum guests will be 25% or 17 to 18 guests because you were going to have 50. Dance floor is prohibited. This is my personal favorite. (laughs) Massachusetts, Connecticut's governors, who else outlawed dancing? Uh, Because I love, (laughs) I don't know even how you 
enforce that. Like, like if I go like this, if I talk with my hands, <laughs> is someone gonna come and smack me on the wrist? If I just go like this, is that dancing? If I do it twice, is it dancing? Who is gonna tell me I can't dance? I mean, I, I get the idea. I'm not an idiot. They don't want places where people congregate. Well, a place where people congregate is called a wedding. It's amazing to me, but it is what it is, and it is what Massachusetts did, and it is what several other states did. Um, dance floors are prohibited. Actually, at least the word dance floors was used by Massachusetts as opposed to dancing <laughs> is prohibited, which was used by some other states. Um, bar is prohibited. Table six feet apart. If there is a spike on cases, then we roll back to phase two. All right. Obviously, you got this, and this is what you call the alarming text, and what happens then? I mean, what do you do at a wedding? You dance. You, you have some drinks. You know, I mean, it, go, after we got that text, we were, we, my wife called them and said, look, um, we, we can't have it here. You know what I mean? She, she called them, and then he said to her, that she was overreacting. She was just a, um, a nervous bride and everything else, which made me, which made me even more upset. Like, how would you like to get that call? Okay, I and, got you, know. Mr. Caschioli. Did you tell her? Oh, you're just pre these are just pre-wedding jitters. You're just being a nervous bride. Did you say that to her? I'm sorry, I do not recall saying that, <laughs> and that's not something I would typically say. Yeah, because I don't think it's like hysterical right? femaley, if that really is a thing. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that hysterical. <laughs> I mean, look, it, you're 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 the bearer of the bad news. I understand it. You're just the messenger, and I understand that. Um, tell me your position on why it is if they can't have the wedding that they contracted for, they should not have their a refund of the money that they paid you. Uh, if I can uh, back up a little further, my first conversation, I have, I actually spoke with Mr. Gormley twice. Uh, I returned his call somewhere in the period of Memorial Day weekend uh, at the beginning of that season. And it was because he had heard what was going on. Everything was naturally concerned. Uh, so he just wanted to establish that we were going to work with it. And I guess he just wanted a little bit a little reassurance that everything would probably be okay by their wedding day. So we just had that conversation and we, you know, recapped what was going on. And both of us concluded there was still quite a bit of time left and things could very probably be okay. Uh, I did have a conversation with Mr. Gormley on the 28th, on June 28th. And I told him that uh, what the state was, um, what was coming out from the state is there was a spike uh, in all states that reopened too quickly. So Massachusetts was going to be conservative. Uh, I said, at the present time, we're in phase two of a four-phase program. Okay. Now, my understanding is that their wedding was going to be on September 12th and that uh, the state of Massachusetts did not change into the next phase until September 22nd. So, so here's what we have. We have them contracting to have a wedding that looks like this. 50 people, dance floor, bar, whatever. And then we have you caught in the middle. I know it, Mr. Cascioli. I, I understand. Believe me, I am not unsympathetic. And, okay. you know, what am I going to do, Judge? I got to do what the governor says. But here's my problem. I have these cases a lot since the dawn of COVID. 
And what I've got to figure out, and it really is very fact-specific, it really depends on the circumstances. Sometimes the venues win. It's, uh, hey, that was my 50th birthday party I wanted to have in that house on the shore, but my friends wouldn't fly in, so I wanted to cancel that one-week rental. Well, no, the venue has nothing to do with what specific celebration you had in mind. And, you know, it was still available. Visitors were able to come to the shore. So everything depends on the specific case that I have. In this case, we all know it was supposed to be 50 people. Now it's supposed to be 17. We all know there's supposed to be a dance floor. And now, you know, like no dance floor. We all know there's supposed to be a bar. And now there's no bar. So even though, you you know, this is like a game of musical chairs. Who gets left holding the goods? You, the governor, or them? In this case, when there is an impossibility of performance and you, it was impossible for you to perform because the governor wouldn't let you, who gets punished? Well, if they turned around and said, I want to sue this company for all of the airfare of all of my relatives who flew in and we couldn't have went in a million years, they wouldn't win. But if all they want is to be put in the position that they were in before the impossibility of performance happened, How is it their fault? I mean, I know it's not your fault, Mr. Cascioli, but how is it their fault? The bottom line is you can't perform uh, and abide by the contract. It's not the same wedding. Now, some people may say, all right, I'll do a wedding next year. Don't give me my money back. I'll do a wedding next year. I'm going to a wedding that somebody did that about. But some people won't. They're the ones who won't. By the way, did you guys end up getting married? Yes. We ended up getting married, yes. Where did you get married? in his sister's backyard. At my sister's backyard. Right. She, so she people don't want to spend, you know, four grand on their wedding or whatever it is, you know, when they are going to have 10 people there or that people are telling them, separate. What, were you two moving? Like, like <laughs> when I was a child, I, when I was a child, when I was 16, I was still chaperoned by my mother and she would go, we would go to parties and then they'd be make room for Jesus and they'd separate you when you were dancing. Now, You know, that is not what they had envisioned. You cannot abide by the contract. And in this case, I am ruling in favor of Mr. and Mrs. Gromley and ordering that the $2,000 be returned to them. Good luck, folks. Thank you, you, Judge. So the plaintiffs are going to get their money back. After all, let's see what the defendant has to say about this. Mr. Cassioli, are you surprised at the judge's decision? Um, I'm not surprised. Not really surprised. I knew it could go either way. All right. Well, you heard the judge. You got to give them their money back. Let's see how the Gormleys feel about it. How do you feel about the judge's verdict? What do you think? I love it. We love it. We like Judge uh, Milan. We love, we watch her almost every day. I mean, we love it. Last question. How's married life? (laughs) I'll, I'll let my wife answer that. It's an experience. No, please. No, it's good. It's good. No, it's <laughs> okay. good. We just celebrate. We just celebrate our one year anniversary last week. So that's well, good. Congratulations, Doug. This is another case where COVID is developing a new area of law. You have a situation where the plaintiffs really couldn't get the benefit of their bargain because there were limitations on the number of people they could have at the venue. So this is an area. It's almost like act of God. But realize this is determined state by state and you could have wildly different views of this. My daughter bought a dog with her boyfriend. They broke up. When she left, she couldn't take Cody with her, so she left him there. Now he will not give the dog back. What can she do? 
the law treats dogs as personal yeah. property, right? right. As, as much as we don't want to think of them that way. No, because uh, I turn in all of you before right. letting go of Sammy. Right. But. I mean, half the time when you hear people arguing over the dog, you're like, I got to get a foster home for this dog because <laughs> neither one of them is. Uh, right. But that's not how it works. And we right. don't have custody hearings on uh, no. custody of the dog. So it's really a question of, you know, whose property is it and who has to pay who for half of the right. value of the property. Right. And in this case, I'm, I, there's some facts missing too. Exactly. Like it's, yeah. uh, right. Dogs are property, yeah. um, and you know if you uh, if you abandoned that dog three years ago, that is going to come into play. Oh, absolutely. If you if it was yesterday and he wouldn't give you the dog, that is going to come into right. play. So it just depends on the facts. Well, you could bring the dog into court and have each party there and just let the dog in and see who he runs and to. And see who know? the dog runs to. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> of course, in our house, what would happen? A uh, damn dog would go to you, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> These are the plaintiffs, Michael and Angela Ricardo. Michael says they hired the defendant to design a new kitchen for them, and the cabinets he ordered didn't arrive in the proper sizes, and the defendant refuses to do anything about it. They are now out $2,400 and are suing for exactly that amount in this court today. This is the defendant, Teb Shumway. He says he miscalculated a couple of cabinet pieces measurements because the plaintiffs never told him they had a taller-than-usual trim package on their refrigerator. He told the plaintiffs he would reorder the cabinet, but they got testy with him. And, well, here they are. He's accused in court of being a little off. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs say that they hired the defendant to build them new kitchen cabinets, but says the guy screwed up the measurements and now their kitchen looks awful. The defendant says the plaintiffs didn't tell him they had a taller than normal trim package and the mismeasurements are not his fault. It's the case of you are not top drawer. Thank you, Douglas. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Ricardo, you're suing the defendant's company, represented here by its owner, Tab Shumway, for $2,400. You say you are out as a result of the job he did. Tell me what happened. That's correct, Your Honor. Uh, so the main issue right now is our refrigerator. We have a 60-inch refrigerator. Um, it's, it's a large commercial-style kitchen. And the two cabinets above the refrigerator were too large. And the end panel for the refrigerator was uh, not deep enough. So our refrigerator would stick out six inches into our kitchen. So he came out, did a site visit for that. Um, on October 8th, I sent him the correct measurements. The issue arose when Tab did not account for the hold down in the cabinet from the ceiling for the crown molding. So when I told him I had 27 and a half inches, he ordered a 27 inch cabinet. Now with the hold down needed for the crown molding, the cabinet is now still too large. And with that reorder, he ordered the correct depth wall uh, end panel. However, the facial profile, instead of three quarters of an inch, it is now an inch and a half. And now my refrigerator does not fit height-wise and width-wise. 
All right, let's go backward a second. When did you send him measurements? I believe it was July 4th, maybe. I sent him the entire appliance list as requested by him so that he could see what the sizes of the appliances were. Did he accommodate the appliance number you sent him or he did not? He did not. In the first site visit, he made a comment that he should have opened that email and looked at it. <laughs> and that was a verbal comment. All right, then... Uh, it doesn't fit and he's going to fix it, but then what goes wrong? So I then took it upon myself to text him the exact measurements that I needed on October 8th. Okay, the exact measurements that you needed of what? Of the fridge opening. Cabinets above the refrigerator are too big. So you tell him trim height 79. What does trim height mean? That means I need 79 inches. To put your refrigerator, refrigerator in. Okay. And then you say the cabinet height is 30 inches. What are you referring to? The counter? That was the original cabinet. Um, All right. Your response to that, Mr. Shumway, is, well, good. That makes the error their fault. I'm going to order them 33 inches wide each by 27 inches tall like they're supposed to be. No longer a need for the filler. Is this the last problem that we're talking about or is this an, a different problem? This is the problem because <clears throat> when I told him 27 and a half inches, mm -hmm. I, as a homeowner, was telling him the, the distance from the top of the trim to the ceiling. What, top of what trim? Top of the refrigerator trim. Why are you telling him anything? Why aren't you getting... He has one job and that's to measure stuff. Why aren't you making him come out and measure correctly? Why are you sending him information that apparently turned out to be wrong. So there is something wrong about your text, which is leaves us 27 and a half. It still leaves us 27 and a half. As a kitchen cabinet provider, he failed to leave room for the <clears throat> crown molding. In the end analysis, what is it that he wanted to bill you for that you don't think is fair? What happened was my end panel that is incorrect. Wait, end panel. Wait a minute. We're talking about the cabinets over the fridge. So what end panels are you talking about? It's the end panel on the end of the refrigerator as well, because with the first incorrect order, the panel was not deep enough to accommodate my refrigerator. So the new panel was deeper. However, the facial profile changed from three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half, thereby making the width of the opening smaller. So this was the face of the original panel, and it's 24 inches deep. And now with the reorder, you'll see that it's deeper than 24 and that the facial profile changes. So your, yeah. your guy bad. made the notch, okay? That doesn't look bad. And you can see that it's deeper now. So now it's the correct depth, but without my knowledge, the facial profile changed, which thereby made the refrigerator opening smaller. So now my refrigerator doesn't fit width-wise with trim on it. Mr. Um, Shumway, why don't you elucidate me and tell me what the problem is here? So as far as the, uh, the panel goes, uh, I ordered the, um, I, I had to reorder the correct size, mm -hmm. uh, which as you can see, I, I did. Uh, as to the width of it, I have, uh, I have no idea. I had no but knowledge. But you should, know, that, uh, you should have knowledge because you're ordering it and you're the cabinet guy. Why don't you have knowledge of the fact that the width changed or that the first panel you ordered was three quarters of an inch and the second panel you ordered was twice that size. That matters because it leaves less opening for the fridge. What about the height of the cabinets on top of the fridge? Uh, we had had a verbal conversation and he had uh, alerted me 
back to the website and showed me that the opening with the moldings, and I can show you that as well. But on the, uh, the website, it requests a 79 inch, I'm sorry, a 75 inch opening. So I accommodated for the seventy-five, for the seventy-five inch. I don't know what you're saying. In, in that you. in that text, he tells you seventy-nine. So what did you? What were you? He didn't direct you somewhere else that conflicts with his text. I think you maybe no. looked somewhere else that conflicted with his text, right? Doesn't that text say seventy-nine? The text says seventy-nine. I, th I I just assumed that that was a uh, typo on his end because earlier that day we had talked so about you seventy-five inches. Right, but you didn't clarify. You just assumed it was a typo instead of saying wait, wait, because as it turns out, seventy-nine is what he needed, right? Because you didn't account for the trim package he had. I accounted for the trim package that comes with it, as you can see right here, and it calls for 75 Right, inches. but there's another trim package, isn't there? Well, uh, how am I supposed to know that? How about you're supposed and, to and know I was, that... I was, so, I was, hey, I, well, hey, you asked me a question, I'm going to answer. How about you're supposed okay, to know you. that he specifically said 79 inches? Because I, I read the text out loud. I showed it on the screen. It says exactly 79 inches. That's how you're supposed to get an inkling... <laughs> that it's 79 inches he needs. And if you think it's a typo, then I guess you made a mistake. But why would you then turn around and say to him, hey, you owe me another thousand bucks? Well, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not human. I mean, I've made some errors and I own those errors. Well, this is an error though that concerned. you made because he told you 79 inches. He said that. And you have no evidence he ever told you 75. The only thing you can do is say, oh, he directed me to a website that says 75. Watch this. Mr. Ricardo, did you ever tell him to look at some website that conflicted with what your text said? I did not. Ah, there's a surprise. So, but you have so. one job, Mr. Shumway, because you don't build the cabinets. You order them. Your only job is to get the measurements right. I abided by the 75 that he had, he had uh he had stated to and me what you do? What did had, you do with the text he sent you where he specifically gave you every measurement and you said, great. What'd you do with that? Wiped your nose with it? I mean, he specifically tells you 79 inches. Ms. Ricardo, talk to me about how long this project took, how annoying it was. And I just feel like we haven't let you speak. So I really just want to hear you because I'm sure that you have plenty to say. Go ahead. I was going to say, you're going to regret that. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I mean, no, I mean, as far as the kitchen goes, like that was my thing. And, you know, I wanted it to be what I wanted. And now my, my fridge has been on completely unsecured for a year and a half. A year and a half. So five, you haven't, you haven't yeah. fixed the problem? Can I, no, you, we can't. You, are you on a computer, on a laptop or a, or a desktop? Uh, yeah. We're on an iPad. On an iPad. Turn around, show me your kitchen. <laughs> so... This is my kitchen. It's pretty, it very pretty. pretty. But then I have my fridge that you can see is uninstalled. Meaning it's and not pushed back all the way. It's not flush. I have a sock up here that keeps it from scratching my pantry because oh, my, I, have, I have five children. So they are, you know, they're children. So right. it happens. Um, put the so sock back. The other put the thing. sock back. What are you doing with the sock in your hand? Put it back before one of the kids opens the fridge. All right. Where and then you... this is obviously the issue there with um, yeah. how it sticks out so much. <laughs> right. All right. Let me, Mr. Ricardo, how do you come up with your amounts? I have an email from Tab stating that the two cabinets over the refrigerator cost $939.44. Okay. And I just estimated. 500 for the wall panel. Yeah. I need a correct uh, estimate <laughs> for the panel. So do you have an actual estimate from an installer as to what that will cost? 
I, I do not. Okay, so then um, now, then what happens is you leave me to do that. See, you can't do that, but now you leave me to do well, that. I, so, Mr. Mr. Shumway, yeah, does your dad's a plumber? Doesn't qualify you to give me an estimate on cabinets, <laughs> Mr. Shumway. Mr. Shumway, what's it going to cost him to get? This is a really bad way to do this. Let me ask the defendant. <laughs> sure is. Mr. Shumway, what do you say it's going to cost to get an installer to come in and install the the two cabinets and the um, Oh, the correct panels. All right, so I uh, I work with multiple uh, cabinetry kitchen installers, and I got three estimates back: one for three hundred seventy-five dollars, one for four hundred twenty dollars, one for four hundred eighty-five dollars. Average of about four hundred twenty-six dollars. That actually sounds really reasonable and correct because I don't think anybody's going to get paid a thousand dollars to install two cabinets and the uh, panels. All right, I am uh, awarding a verdict in favor of the plaintiffs, Mr. and Mrs. Ricardo. The amount of that verdict is going to be the cost of the cabinets, which we do know from the text. Um, I think your estimate's pretty reasonable for the panels, for the two panels on either side. And the estimate that the defendant gives us, because you give us no estimate, well, you give us an estimate, but it's kind of bloated, I think is also probably pretty accurate for a total of $1,765.44 verdict for the plaintiffs. Good luck. So the plaintiffs prevailed. They're going to get just over $1,700. Uh, Mr. Shumway, let me ask you, the defendant, let me ask you how you feel about the judge's decision. Uh, it is what it is. I guess the bottom line um, is I appreciate you the... admit you made some mistakes, right? You made some mistakes. Oh, sure. I'm which, human. Uh, has caused them to have this problem going on for a long time now. I'm really human. A long time, right? You're human. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're human right. and it costs you some money. Sorry about that. That's the way it works out today. It is what it is. $1,700. That's business. It is what it is is right. Okay. Uh, Mr. and Ms. Ricardo, maybe now you can get this finished and uh, get your kitchen in tip-top shape. How about that? Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be nice to have a little bit of money. Um, I'm not overly satisfied. I, I feel like going off an estimate from 2019 that uh, these cabinets are going to cost me a lot more than the $940 quoted almost two years ago. But it'll take care of most of the project and we'll be able to finish our house. Good luck to you. And I hope you get your kitchen back together soon and are happy with it. Beautiful kitchen. It'll be even better when it's done. Doug, there was an old saying that a picture is worth a thousand words. Video is worth 2000 words because that's why the plaintiffs won. I borrowed my friend's car and I got a ticket for driving with a burnt out headlight. The ticket's in my name, but it's not fair. I'm pretty sure he knew the headlight was burned out in the first place. Shouldn't he have to pay for this? Well, uh, the ticket goes to the driver. So vis-a-vis right. -vis the police and the government and the clerk's office, you're the guy who has to pay right. the ticket because you were driving right. a car with faulty equipment. Now, right. when you borrow a car, maintenance of the car is not something you've undertaken to do. No. So I think that he could sue the friend who loaned him the car. Yeah. And I, I mean, hopefully they'll be able to work it out and he won't sue him. But, but I'm saying if I'm responsible for the maintenance and right. something went wrong with the maintenance, right. that's ultimately yeah. on me. And I wouldn't leave you stuck with the ticket. Right. I'm not sure that you would have to prove that I knew that the light right. was out. Like, I mean, it's just factual because I'm yeah. the guy who's responsible for the maintenance. Yeah, right. Of course, there could still be um, consequences with your insurance company if they Yeah, because it's still in your name. Even for a Mickey Mouse ticket like that, who knows? Maybe yeah. they, they, if they get wind of it, they may say, ah, you know, that's that's too bad. It's your ticket. It's <laughs> your ticket and your up. rates could go up. So but, it's yeah. uh, messy. That'll do it for this session of the People's Court. See you next time.